Welcome to the Vet Staff Podcast, the place where veterinary professionals go to get their heads screwed on straight so they can get excited about going to work on Monday mornings and then leading more fulfilling lives at home and at work. I'm your show host, Julie South, and this is episode 158. Today, we continue with part two on developing one of your secret superpowers, your resilience quotient. Resilience, grit, fortitude. Think of it as a muscle, the one that lets you flex, bend and bounce forward no matter what life throws at you. It's the gritty grace under pressure, the inner strength that keeps you steady when the going gets rough and tough, and the steadfast spirit that surfaces amid strife. Have you ever wondered what makes some people bounce forward from setbacks stronger than ever before? Or have you ever felt like you're just one stressor away from burning out or melting down? What if there's a skill you can learn to prevent that? Well, the good news is, the great news is, there is. It's resilience, and it can be both learned and strengthened. How often do you flex your resilience muscle? Stay tuned, because you're going to find out how you can make your resilience muscle stronger. Today, we're going to look at personal accountability and personal responsibility as a key component to having a high resiliency quotient or to being resiliency resiliently intelligent. And make sure you stay right to the end where I'm going to share a super easy strategy you can add to your resiliency quotient toolbox that you can start using straight away that'll make a world of difference in your life well before you even need to use it. The Vet Staff Podcast is proudly powered by VetClinicJobs.com, the new and innovative global job board reimagining veterinary recruitment, connecting veterinary professionals with clinics that shine online. VetClinicJobs.com is your go-to resource for finding the perfect career opportunities and helping vet clinics power up their employer branding game. Visit VetClinicJobs.com today to find vet clinics that shine online so veterinary professionals can find them. VetClinicJobs.com Resilience reminds me of when I was studying sports science at AUT, the Auckland University of Technology, and the difference between fast and slow twitch muscle fibres, those fibres we need to be able to sprint and those we need for the long haul, like a marathon. Metaphorically, if resilience were to be described as a type of muscle fibre, I think it would probably be a slow twitch one. And here's why. Endurance. 
As you know, slow-twitch fibres are known for their endurance and stamina. They're the fibres able to perform for long periods without fatigue. Likewise, resilience represents our capacity to endure ongoing stress and challenges without burning out or melting down, and it provides the stamina needed to cope with adversity over an extended time. Because of sustained performance, just as slow-twitch fibres are crucial for long-distance and endurance sports, resilience is about being able to sustain performance during difficult times, oftentimes requiring long-term effort rather than a short and sharp explosive burst of energy. Having resilience, grit, fortitude is a bit like the ability to cross the finish line of a marathon rather than the the 100 meter sprint. Slow twitch fibers are more energy efficient. As you know, they use oxygen to help create more fuel for continuous extended muscle contractions. In life's metaphorical marathons, resilience helps us manage our emotional and our psychological energy efficiently, allowing us to maintain a steady state of well-being despite potential stressors. And because of recovery, slow-twitch fibres are less prone to fatigue. They recover quickly, which is akin to how someone with a high-resilience quotient recovers from setbacks without prolonged downturns in mood or productivity. Okay, building on the sports science theme a little bit more, what about if resilience were an energy system instead? As you know, us humans have, well, I'm sure you know, us humans have three types of energy systems. We have the phosphagen, the glycolytic or anaerobic glycolysis, and oxidative, oxidative, the aerobic system. I'm presuming that animals have these three systems as well, and they're not foreign terms to you. With the phosphagen system, this provides immediate energy through stored ATP and creatine phosphate. It's the primary energy system used during very high intensity and short duration exercises, like a 100 meter sprint, something that lasts about 10 seconds plus or minus. Just like this system provides immediate energy for short bursts of high-intensity activity, so too a part of our resilience is like this quick recovery system. When faced with sudden stressors or acute crisis, like say a hit-by-car or a GDV walking through the front door unannounced, we can step into this resilience reserve for quick thinking and rapid response. It's what gives us the ability to stay focused and perform under immediate pressure, then quickly bounce forward rather than go into a total meltdown. Remember, this is a metaphor. Then we have the glycolytic system, the anaerobic glycolysis. This is the system that kicks in when the phosphagen system is depleted. It breaks down carbohydrates to produce ATP, pyruvate and lactate. This is what we need to sustain medium to high intensity activities that last from roughly 30 seconds to around 2 minutes. 
In this resilience metaphor, we need to tap into the glycolytic system when we need a bit of a push. This energy system parallels the type of resilience required during ongoing challenges we have that aren't resolved in a matter of moments. For example, having the endurance needed to maintain effort and composure through a tough project or a series of setbacks. Maybe your clinic's adding on a treatment room or three. Maybe it's expanding and buying another clinic. You know there's a finish line, but it's a little bit out. It's not just the quick sprint. It's more like the middle distance run, perhaps the 10k, that requires consistent, sustained effort before reaching a resolution. And finally, we have the oxidative system, that of aerobic respiration. As you know, this is the most complex system. Oxygen's needed, as well as the mitochondria. We're talking the requirement for, for carbohydrate, for fat, and sometimes even protein to sustained prolonged activity. ATPs produced more slowly, but much more efficiently than anything anaerobic. It's the primary source of ATP for activities lasting longer than a couple of minutes. Aerobic activity is what we need for the long haul, the marathon. It's what we need to have to produce the deep, enduring and lasting strength for prolonged periods of stress or adversity. Metaphorically, people with a high resilience quotient would draw on this kind of resilience of grit, of fortitude, to get them through those long-term difficulties life throws at us from time to time. For example, an ongoing illness or recovery from a significant loss like a marital breakup or partnership breakup or the death of someone significant in our lives. Also included in that would be if finishing a job didn't end well. So it's a, you need some recovery, you've got to catch your breath a bit. These are the times when you have to pace yourself, when you need to maintain a steady level of effort. You need to manage your energy systems wisely and economically for the long haul. Just like running a marathon or cycling 160k around Lake Taupo or even further like an Ironman or other endurance sports event. It's about moving forward even when you're fatigued. You have to dig deep to find that sustainable pace to not just endure but to continue thriving despite challenges. When you're utilizing this metaphorical energy system for resilience, you have the attitude of this too will pass. You know it's not forever, but it's going to go on for a while. Hopefully, you're wondering how to tap into this aerobic energy system and or how you can hypertrophy your resilience muscle fibers to make them stronger to grow your resiliency quotient. Relax though, even though I started off with a sports science analogy, there's no gym membership required. Instead, what you're going to do is discover over the next few weeks, it's all about mindset, strategy and a dash of heart. 
Regardless of what life throws at you, at me, at us, when we can boost our resilience quotient, it means we're better equipped to handle life's ups and downs with a clear head, a steady hand, and a heart that's still overflowing with all the good stuff. First up, resilience is a learned behavior, a learned response. And that means that anyone can learn it, can grow it, can develop it, regardless of age and or history. So let's have a look-see into the nitty-gritty of how you can fine-tune your reactions, fortify your decision-making, and ultimately grow your resilience quotient. Let's turn those oh-no moments into bring-it-on opportunities. What we're talking about in this Resilience Quotient series isn't just about powering through your 8 to 6 or your 9 to 5 or whatever your day is. It's about thriving in a career you love and still having the energy to enjoy the life you've built outside the clinic walls. Let's kick off with personal responsibility. If you're wondering how or why personal responsibility and having a high or a low resilience quotient are intertwined, here's why. You'll have enhanced problem-solving skills. People with high personal responsibility are more likely to face the stuff, in air quotes, stuff, those horrible challenges that come our way head on rather than go run for the hills. You might want to run for the hills, but you'll know that it's not going to achieve anything. Having this proactive approach to problem solving is a key aspect of resilience because it enables you to navigate obstacles more effectively and learn from them rather than being derailed by setbacks. Taking personal responsibility often means acknowledging when a change of approach is needed. This adaptability, being willing to adjust your behavior and strategies in response to feedback or changing circumstances, is critical for resilience because it means that you're more able to pivot current word, pivot in the face of adversity. You can change directions, change tack. Personal responsibility nurtures also the belief in our own ability to influence outcomes, known as self-efficacy. A well-developed sense of self-efficacy is associated with greater resilience. This is because people believe they've got the power to cope with and influence their situation. In turn, this will lead to more persistent and effective action and efforts to overcome challenges. When you take personal responsibility for your actions, you're often more reflective and responsive and less reactive. This emotional regulation is important in helping to maintain composure to be cool, calm and collected under stress. It's a component of resilience that enables clear-headed thought processes, which lead in turn to effective action when everything starts turning pear-shaped in your life. 
Personal responsibility is also aligned with a reframing mindset. This is where challenges can be looked at, reframed, as opportunities to change, rather than as insurmountable barriers where everything is doomed to fail. People who know how to reframe are more resilient because they view failure as temporary setbacks and a learning opportunity. When you have personal responsibility, you're also more likely to hold yourself accountable for your actions and your decisions. Accountability leads to greater trust from others, to having stronger relationships and a supportive network. Trust, relationships and support are all protective factors, protective factors in air quote, are all protective factors that enhance resiliency. A hallmark also of personal responsibility is the ability to receive and act on feedback. When you've got an openness to learning from your experiences, both positive and negative, you're able to build resilience by turning every experience into a stepping stone for future success. In essence, this means that personal responsibility can be seen as the fuel that powers the engine of resilience. It promotes an active engagement with the stuff that life throws at us from time to time. It means that we're going to charge into this thing, this event, this stuff, rather than bury our heads in the ground. It equips us with having the right mindset and the sharp tools necessary to bounce forward and then thrive in challenging times. Okay, so those are all good reasons to have high levels of personal accountability. But what does it look like when someone doesn't have these What might they say and do? Well, let's have a look. Maybe you know someone at your clinic or in your life. They'll be the ones who blame others. They'll say things like, the surgery didn't go well because the nurses or whoever didn't prep as I asked. Words like that. They'll make excuses I couldn't finish the charting on time. There were just too many distractions around the clinic today. It's got nothing to do with them and everything to do with everybody else. Minimizing the role in their role in negative outcomes. Yes, I was part of the surgical team, but it was really the lead vet's job to ensure everything was done correctly. Well, not me or him or her. They'll deny the significance of the issue. So I forgot to call back one client about their PETS test results. It's not the end of the world. Bit of facetiousness going on there. Bit of denial. You know, it's not the end of the world. So what? Get over it. Get over yourself. Nothing to do with me. They'll claim powerlessness. With our clinic's outdated equipment, it's impossible to do my job right. There's nothing I can do to change that. Hmm. And they will rationalize poor choices. I had to cut corners on that procedure. We're so understaffed and I can't do everything by myself. A bit of martyr going on there. 
People who avoid responsibility may have black belts in avoidance. They may skip out of important team debriefings after a challenging case and not turn up for discussions about clinic protocols they're not following. Right, procrastination. They might delay ordering, for example, necessary supplies or fail to update patient records in a timely manner. And they expect others to pick up the slack. They'll pass the buck. When there's a mistake with medication, for example, medication dosing, they might blame it on whoever entered the information in the system rather than ensuring its accuracy themselves. They'll also ignore problems. Perhaps a piece of equipment is malfunctioning, perhaps something needs a new battery or needs to be updated, and instead of reporting it, they'll leave it for the next person to deal with. They'll manipulate the narrative. They're really good at this. When recounting a case that's had a poor outcome, they might omit or alter details to avoid implicating their own decisions or actions. And they'll also have a black belt in refusing to reflect. When constructive feedback is offered about their manner or their diagnostic approach, say, they'll become defensive and or they'll refuse to acknowledge any need for any improvement by them because it will be everybody else. At home and at work, failing to take personal responsibility leads to a breakdown in team cohesion. You'll have relationship breakdowns at home or at work and major trust issues. Add Having a dysfunctional relationship into the mix of being in the thick of something turning pear-shaped in someone's life. And you can see how people with a low resilience quotient struggle to cope. What does having high levels of personal responsibility look like then? How can you tell if you're developed in that area of your life? Well, I've identified 10 ways that you can tell, but I'll just go through three of them here today. If you'd like to know what the others are, please send me an email, julie at vetstaff.co.nz, and I'll send them to you. The first one is you'll have a proactive approach to challenges. You'll actively seek solutions to problems rather than waiting for others to solve them. You're the first to step up to address issues and then make necessary changes without being prompted. Also, number two, you can accept constructive feedback. You accept and you seek out feedback. For you, constructive feedback isn't a criticism, but instead you see it as a valuable tool for personal and professional growth. You take time to genuinely and seriously reflect on it. You'll then take action based on what you've learned. Number three, you'll have high emotional intelligence. You'll really have shoe size moments when you act your shoe size rather than your chronological age. You'll be adept in managing to control your emotions, especially in stressful situations. Rather than letting your emotions dictate your actions, you'll respond with thoughtfulness and 
composure. So if you would like the others, the rest of that list, send me an email, julie at betstaff.co.nz, and I will send them to you. If any of these three characteristics resonate with you and are reflected in your day-to-day life, then it's likely that your levels of personal responsibility are high. Righty, I promised you a tool for you to add to your resiliency quotient toolbox. This one is based on strengthening your ability to have high levels of personal responsibility and accountability. It's all about creating the daily habit of self-reflection. It's easy, it seriously is. It means all you have to do is take a few minutes at the end of each day, perhaps while you're driving home or you're on the bus or the train, doing the dishes, folding up the laundry, going for a run, maybe sitting down at the end of your day with a cup of tea. And then you thoughtfully review your day. You want to reflect back over your day's actions, the decisions that you've made, and then their resultant outcomes. When you do this, ask yourself three questions. What did I handle well today? List them down or mentally write them. Put them on your phone. Where could I have made better choices? Note them down. And then the last question, how did my actions affect the situation for better or worse? Reflect, look, look at your day, look at what you've done. By doing this, you not only become more attuned to the consequences of your actions, cause and effect, but you also learn how to anticipate challenges and think critically about how to approach them. When you make this daily reflection a habit, it'll heighten your self-awareness. You'll also have greater situational awareness. And all of these, both of these, will help you make more deliberate and better choices. They'll put you in the driver's seat. After a while, you'll start to notice yourself becoming more adaptable. And adaptability is one of the key components of resilience. The more adaptable and resilient you are, the more capable of bouncing forward from setbacks you'll become because you'll have developed your own constructive strategies. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, can I ask you to do me a favor, please? Please hit that follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. It means that you'll automatically receive next week's episode direct to your audio feed. You won't miss out. If you'd really like to make me smile, then I'd love to know what you found particularly helpful. You can send me an email, julie at vetstaff.co.nz. Thank you. I look forward to spending another half an hour or so with you next week when we'll be looking at realistic optimism. We're going to cover some really interesting things like how to balance positive thinking 
with practical actions, how to manage expectations in your clinic, and how to cognitively restructure to combat pessimism, all of which will help you grow your resilience quotient. This is Julie South signing off and inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous, self-accountable and responsible version of you you can be. The Vet Staff Podcast is proudly powered by VetClinicJobs.com, the new and innovative global job board reimagining veterinary recruitment, connecting veterinary professionals with clinics that shine online. VetClinicJobs.com is your go-to resource for finding the perfect career opportunities and helping vet clinics power up their employer branding game. Visit VetClinicJobs.com today to find vet clinics that shine online so veterinary professionals can find them. VetClinicJobs.com